0: It's hard to really nail down to one thing, but here's, here's the reality. Uh, your self-worth and your identity is not wrapped up in the person that you're dating. Mm-hmm. It needs to be in who Jesus is making you to be. And you need to pursue Jesus, and you need to become the person that Jesus wants you to become. Everything else will take care of itself. Mm-hmm.
1: Welcome back to the Sandhills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. Today, I'm joined by Pastor Chris, uh, who, fun uh, fun, fun fact, he was the youth minister when I first started coming to Sandhills when I was in fifth grade and then got to come to youth group for the first time when I was in your youth group at sixth grade, back when we were in the elementary school. Crazy times. Isn't that wild? It's amazing how God has worked these things out, and now here we are. It is. Working Pretty together. amazing. Amazing stuff. So today we will be having a really great conversation centered around uh, what do biblical relationships look like, uh, specifically Exciting. romantic relationships. And if you've been Ooh. tuning in, uh, for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about sexuality, we've been talking about homosexuality, and now we're going to be talking about the idea of what does relationship look like biblically. Um, and as we get into this, we're we'll also going to be talking a little bit about purity culture, which we'll then get into the idea of church hurt, which we'll be addressing next week. So, uh, But as we jump into this, um, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, how you came to faith, how you got to Sandhills, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a crazy road. Um, just real quick, I grew up in a non-Christian home, uh, but my parents put me in a Christian school until I was in 6th grade. When I rebelled and wanted to go to public school, they let me go to public school. I fell into all kind of sin at that point. Um, and uh, around 8th grade, a friend of mine invited me to some youth event, and I went to this event. They uh you know, kind of coaxed us into the gospel with some uh I would say some emotional stuff, like really just mm. pulling on our motion strings mm-hmm. and fear and presented the gospel and I just like, yeah, well, okay, I don't want to go to hell. That's I I was it was a get out of hell uh card and uh, I jumped on that. Uh but my parents weren't believers. I didn't really plug into a church. Mm. Uh when I was in high school I started going to a church just for girls. Uh my, uh, my identity was wrapped up in uh, relationships with girls, being liked by girls. I did not have a relationship with Jesus. Um, and, uh, and that went on until I was in my early to mid-20s and mm. started really seeking. I, I always believed that Jesus existed and that mm-hmm. God was who he was, but I never trusted him fully. Mm. And so in my 20s, uh, I met um, a young lady who became my wife at the time I was seeking and she really helped clarify some things about following Jesus. And uh, I asked her on a date. She said, No, I don't date non believers. And I was an ocean lifeguard at the time. And she goes, I don't I don't go out with believers. And I just kept pursuing her, kept pursuing her with questions and mm-hmm. she says, Okay, I'll go out with you one time. And we didn't live in the same town. We were about two hours away. She said, I'll go out with you once just to talk about Jesus. I said, Okay, done deal.
1: Well, there you go.
0: And man, I and it was and here's what happened. Uh, and it was uh, about a month before my birthday, and uh, my birthday came up. She got me a Bible, and uh, and it, it was like this. I I went from this moment where I think God you exist to God I'm gonna trust you. Mm. And when she got me that Bible, it was like reading it and not understanding it, and the very next day reading it and going, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe what this says.
1: Wow. So he used your future wife yeah oh and i
0: don't recommend that we're gonna talk about that later right but wow that's amazing (laughs) yeah
1: that's great and that's one of the reasons why it's so amazing because you don't hear that
0: yeah yeah (laughs) and i mean and it was it was it was was crazy Um, but i i mean i was ocean lifeguarding at the time in uh, st augustine florida my life radically changed i was in line to become the first year-round beach captain uh for the county Mm. Uh, but in the middle of summer i quit Wow. And I quit it because I couldn't handle the environment anymore. I mean, I had radically changed. Like, it's just total transformation. Total transformation. Everything about it. And so I was like, okay, so I'm out of here. I mean, and I quit and got a job at SeaWorld and moved to Orlando and a bunch of other stuff happened there. But, yeah, that's how I came to know the Lord and really surrendered, uh, you know, entrusted him with my whole life. And there was a radical transformation.
1: That's amazing. And so you've been at Sand Hills. Have you been at Sand Hills the whole time that you've been doing ministry?
0: No, so I, so my wife and I got married. We moved back to St. Augustine. I jumped into this little church like actually a week or two before I got married. And this is how I got into ministry or the beginning of it is I went to this little church, liked it. It was right on the beach. It was a cool little church. Um, and the story goes like this. Is, is I thought I was going, we were moving back to St. Augustine. I was going to go back to school, become like a, PE coach and mm-hmm. coach football and do FCA. That's kind of what I felt like the Lord okay. was putting in my heart, right? But we're getting married. I started looking for a church for us. So I'm looking around. Go to this little church. After the service was over, I liked it. Went to talk to the pastor. Say, like, hey, you guys have a youth ministry? I might be interested in serving yeah. is if we call this a church home, you know? And he's like, Oh really? Uh, he goes, are, are you married? It's like, I was like, no. And so he had a smile that kind of turned into a frown. I said, but I'm getting married in, in about a week or two. And he started smiling again. And I was like, <laughs> this is weird. And then he called this guy over. His name's Richie. And he was leading the youth ministry he was a college kid mm-hmm. called him over and they said, yesterday we prayed for three hours that a couple would show up and take over our student ministry.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And so within six months, they hired me
1: wow. part-time.
0: And I took over the student ministry at that point.
1: Oh, my goodness. How long were you there?
0: Three years. And then I then we moved here to CIU, to go to CIU. Because I had no training. It was a church, so he was required to do three teachings a, a week. So Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And he was an exegetical teacher like Jeff, mm-hmm. verse by verse. And so he had no time to train me. or And so I was like, he's in it. Yeah, and I'm trying to learn on my own, and it was kind of hard. Uh, learned a lot of good lessons, um, mm-hmm. and uh, but just I met a guy who was a former professor at CIU. He says, "Looks like you look you look like someone who needs some mentoring." I said, "Absolutely, I don't know what I'm doing." And uh, so he started mentoring me, and then uh, then it was like, "Hey, felt like it was time to go to CIU." I had some stuff to work on in my own personal life, and mm-hmm. needed to get some professional training, and so we came to CIU. Visited on 9/11, and like 2001. 2001, 9-11. Oh and uh, the way they handled that, just we were like, we want to be here. Wow. And how did uh, they
1: handle it? Now, I, I it
0: don't was, know. It was awesome just how they handled chapel mm. and praying. And then uh, what had happened was Hope, our oldest, was mm-hmm. uh, just six, five months old at the time. And so she was down in Florida being watched. We flew up here. So in 9-11, all the planes were grounded. Yeah. All the rental cars were grounded. We were like, we got to get home. Oh and so some goodness. students drove us home back
1: down to Florida. Wow. Yeah. That's so was, amazing. Was so you knew awesome. CIU was, so was it the place. Yeah, yeah. And then that's how you got yeah. connected to Sand Yeah, I
0: came came Sand Hills and then um and got connected through Sand Hills about a year being at CIU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about right. Uh and uh so August of two thousand and two is when I came on part time, uh when we were a small church about a hundred or so people. Mm-hmm. uh Pastor Sean and Pastor Eric were in sixth grade at the time,
1: and uh, Sean and, is behind the camera. That's right. That's, now. Right. that's yeah.
0: fun. <laughs> so there was about ten to twelve students on our on a weekly basis. So, wow. uh, yeah. So August of two thousand and
1: two. So you're coming up on twenty years. I am. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Isn't it. That's amazing because I mean, so many, so often, um, you hear that youth pastors are only there for like a year, two years. And it's really just a stepping stone. But you've always had a heart for students, even when you're wanting to be a PE coach. Yeah. It was for high schoolers with FCA, so yeah. that's always been on your heart. And it has because of just how I grew up. And then that gets into this first question: is what's the first thing that comes to mind in your relationship? You've got a, you've got a whole lot of
0: of baggage experience. Yeah, yeah I'll just say baggage because actually, you know, when when you say relationships, there's mm-hmm. the I have two filters. I have the filter of my old self, and it would say sex. Hmm. You know, relationships were defined by sexual pleasure. Mm. You know, whether or not I was in a sexual relationship to bring me pleasure, uh, that was my identity, you know. Um, and and now, uh, I would say relationships is really uh, about receiving and giving, mm. you know, learning to love. Mm. You know, that's what relationships are, an yeah. are, image of uh, I call it Trinitarian covenant relationships, something I learned um, at school with this idea of giving and receiving the Holy Spirit, God, the father, Jesus, the son are giving and receiving love throughout history. We can see it through scripture mm-hmm. um, and the idea that relationship, that's the image, that's the perfect view. If you're looking for what relationships look like, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so anyhow, uh, but the first thing that tends to come to mind is my fleshly side mm. of my old self struggling with this reality of just kind of, my identity was wrapped up in in myself. Yeah. You know?
1: And that's kind of what we talked a little bit about last week. Um, and if you haven't watched last week's episode with Dr. Johnson, uh, we encourage you to do that. Because we talked about that idea of when we take a part of ourselves that God has created and make that our whole identity, yeah. especially in regards to sexuality, that people take a part of themselves and say, this is all of who I am. Yeah. And if I can't do this, then I am no longer... I don't have well, value. I don't, have, value. No I don't value. have worth. Exactly. That's right.
0: Oh, yeah. I felt that way. Uh, in fact, when I first went to college, I man, I flunked out uh, because I was just pursuing relationships. I needed things to make me feel good. I didn't want to work hard, I didn't have good habits for school, but I was seven hours away from home, and it was all about just exploring pleasure.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it was. So, one is, I mean, when we think about what scripture says about relationships, and you kind of talked about that a second ago yeah. with you look at the Trinity and you see a perfect relationship. Right. You know? And so what does scripture say about these things? How should people be viewing the idea of a relationship through a biblical yeah. lens?
0: So relationships, okay. there's different kinds of relationships too. And, and, and the scripture really talks about treating people differently depending on that relationship or the mm-hmm. type of relationship. So we see uh, in scripture how God wants us to interact with him. Mm-hmm. He talks about that. He talks about how we interact with our spouses. We see a lot of that in our families we also see how we're supposed to relate to one another inside the church, and then how we relate to people outside the church. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, there's some differences and nuances in all of those. Right. But the crux of it all is this new love ethic that Jesus gave on, on his last day, and uh, the um, when he was doing Lord's Supper, and the you know, and he's get ready to go on the cross. He said, "Hey, love as I have loved." That's the new command I give you. Mm. And after that point. They didn't have the resurrection to look right. back on to say, oh, that's, that's what he means, love like that. No, the last three years they spent with him, he gave them an image of love, and it was sacrificial. It mm. was loving. It was
1: challenging. It was challenging. Yeah. There, you, there, you can get back to the where he really right. hits them upside the head. It <laughs>
0: wasn't this just emotional thing. Mm. It was about community. Mm. Um, I often talk about the one of the reasons why I love going on international mission trips, and we go to the DR, is because it's the closest thing we get to heaven. Because mm-hmm. when we are all focused on one thing, we're talking about Philippians, where it says, "Be focused on one." Thing where we come together like-minded, one spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And then we are focused on sharing Jesus. We're focused on being transformed by Jesus. We are focused on making sure that each other is loved and cared for. Mm. And then we're experiencing that together in community. Uh. It's the closest thing. It's the closest thing we come. In fact, we have students who would go on mission trips, come home and get mad, and parents would call me like, Why are they mad? They they had a great time. Said it's because they're coming down off of what the closest thing they'll ever have to heaven. Mm. The relationship and the community that we lived in, they're not experiencing that anymore. Mm -hmm. They're home by themselves you know, lacking some purpose and, you know, and it's
1: just like, wow. And going back to maybe some of those pursuits that pull them away from that. Or struggling or wrestling with what I should do. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we talk about relationships romantically, Mm. what is the Bible saying about how we should approach that topic? So the Bible
0: is not real clear on dating relations. It's not direct, Mm -hmm. but it does give us... This idea that marriage, which should be the ultimate goal of dating, mm-hmm. right? That if we're going to be in a relationship with each other, that it should be done in a way that honors God and honors the other person before we get anything out of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's this reality that, uh, let's say uh, 2 Corinthians 13 um, gets read at, or First Corinthians 13, it gets read at all these all the weddings, you know, love is, love is kind, and it goes through this whole yeah. thing. How many of us really think about, like, in a dating relationship, that this is who I need to be? Mm. And that's the standard. That's the standard. Like, I need to become this so that the person that I'm dating doesn't become the focal point of my life. Mm. So I think romantic relationships, it's easy to make that person the focal point or the focus of pleasure or the focus of happiness mm-hmm. and i think with romantic and dating relationships it's easy to move the person that you're dating and kind of do this swap with god we move mm-hmm. god out of the focus or take him out of the primary role and put that person in there mm-hmm. and so dating relationships when we see in scripture there aren't any right and so but it's very clear that god's given us some realities one is to love him with all of our heart body and soul mm-hmm. love others as ourself the two greatest commandments. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the new love ethic that he gave was love others as I have loved you. So he's the example, right? Uh, he didn't date.
1: He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he sure didn't. <laughs> he didn't date. So,
0: <laughs> so, so the reality is, is, like a dating relationship or romantic relationships. They're not for you. There's a book called uh, uh sacred marriage. And mm-hmm. out of that book, the reality is that marriage is about holiness, not about happiness. Mm. And oh, so that's good. And so, and so, and so Um, when, when God is, when we're talking about relationships biblically, the relationship that you're in needs to be bringing you closer to Jesus in mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And if it's not doing that, it's probably the wrong relationship, Mm. right? And it needs to be honoring to God in a way that brings glory to him. But that other person needs to be lifted up. You know, it has nothing to do with getting, I want, I want, I want. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, that was me and still is me. I'm still trying to recover from all the years that I grew up. I mean, like, when you become self-centered in romantic relationships, you're going to do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to do a lot of wounding. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ethic, I think, when it comes to romantic relationships, since this isn't direct in Scripture, um, is that you have to clarify the reality that dating is either for one or two purposes, recreation Or for marriage?
1: Mm. Right? you got to ask yourself the hard question. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so
0: if you choose to be recreational dating, then I would say that isn't biblical. Right. But if you're dating to find who God has given you for marriage, that's biblical. And then in that relationship, it's how do you live with emotional and physical boundaries in a way that creates a trajectory of moving toward marriage?
1: absolutely so, yeah. and that's I think one of the big misconceptions that people tend to have about Christianity in general but then also Christian relationship is that uh, you know Christ is just here to hinder your life in every way possible oh yeah but he means it when he says I came to bring you life and life in the fullest and when we live within the parameters that he's given us we find joy peace like patience and then all those things that that he says are loving we can experience in a better way when we're living as he's designated us oh yeah
0: so so there's a a saying we have a couple sayings like one is um that purity paves the way to intimacy Mm. so it's this reality of of when we live in a way that honors god okay then there's less baggage in our life Mm -hmm. and since there's less baggage in my life i have less to uh protect it's easier to let people in i'm not wounded as much Right, and so, mm-hmm. so therefore, that connection with my future spouse becomes easier. Mm. But the more that we experience, the more hurts, the more pain, whether it's sexual sin or if it if it's imposed on you, mm-hmm. all those things create hardness of the heart mm-hmm. and makes it harder to share and be open. So, so we talk about that. We also talk about that. Um, you know, your friendships, relationships of, doesn't matter who they are. You know, they have the power to determine the direction and quality of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And so like who you date can influence the direction of your life. It will, no matter what. It does. Mm -hmm. So which way, how do you want it to direct? Do you want it to, do you want to put it on a trajectory to follow God and to honor Him or do you want it to go on this other direction that's maybe more self-bent or do you want it to take you on this of just pleasure-seeking?
1: You have to choose, Mm -hmm. right? And you have to think about that too with your friend groups. The friend relationships that you have, are they going to be friendships that honor christ as well and and build you up and point you more toward that and that you can have good relational intimacy and emotional intimacy with and sharing yeah or they could be people that tear you down and even though it may not seem like it directly but are only seeking pleasure in their own lives and in that friend group and things Mm -hmm. like that and that's all because you often date out of your friend group yeah
0: and yeah so like uh, there's a uh, we talk about there's like three levels of relationship so you you have the the acquaintance level, the casual level, and intimate level. And the intimate is really your closest people, eventually your spouse, Mm -hmm. just a few people probably in that group. And then everybody else is in the casual group at different layers closer to, and and usually what you find is uh, people that you connect with, you know, same type of stuff, same worldview, mindset, Mm -hmm. they're moving closer to your intimate circle, you know. And so when you're finding someone, you know, you want someone that's similar in terms of worldview, your belief about Jesus, how you live, and then that, that helps you get to that intimacy that you're looking for. But you know, this idea of being unevenly yoked in our culture, I find that with teenagers a lot. They they're struggling right Christian or don't struggle yeah. actually I said they don't struggle at all. I can date a non believer.
1: Like mm. huh, no. They're not worried about it. Yeah,
0: they're not. They're not. And so they can believe what they want to believe, but they don't understand the impact of that on your future life. Mm. Um when it comes down to just anything, what do you do with your money? What do you do with your in-laws? What do you do? are we going to lie to our kids? You know, mm-hmm. what do you? You, know, you just name it. You know, it's going to have create tension.
1: There's already enough tension.
0: We create enough of it ourselves, right. and have this, to have the same worldview pursuing Jesus together. There's enough tension even in that. Mm-hmm. But then add these other layers that we're going to think differently. We're going to approach the world differently. We're going to approach decisions from a different point of view
1: how do we also address the topic of singleness in this, that not all people have relationships in a marital context? How do we, I guess we kind of talk about that a little bit with friend groups, you know, like then you would really, your relationships are the people you're around. But what does scripture say specifically about singleness when it comes to relationships like this? Yeah, so singleness
0: is one of those things that people, I think, have a negative connotation to. Mm. And, and I, I don't think it should be negative at all. Uh, because singleness is, in some ways, its own, I don't say gift, but it's—but it kind of has its own place in God's kingdom mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, I think singleness gives the person who's single the ability and flexibility to do anything that God wants them to do without referring to someone else, caring for kids. I mean, like, you have such flexibility to respond to God's calling. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Now, now, here's what I say. Like, for someone who is single, the big critical piece is really finding their value in God mm. in, a, in a way that married people tend to not even think about. Mm. See, because when we're married, we start, oh, we have our wife. Then we, we have our kids. And we start struggling with how we find our value and worth in them and how, we, you know, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good mom. You know, we start building ourselves up in those ways, right? Mm. But the single person doesn't get bogged down with yeah. those things.
1: Because then even in a marital relationship, you know, you talk about dating where the person you're dating takes God's place in your focus. That even within marriage, if you're not careful and continually pursuing the Lord and continually pursuing the Lord together, that that shift can happen again.
0: Oh, easily. Yeah. And it can happen when you have kids. Mm. The kids can go there. So you have a lot more complexity as a married family with kids than a single person does and the ability to respond to God's call of ministry. Mm-hmm. We're all called to minister. That's the thing. It's like, it's like we think that um, the only people who should do ministry are maybe the paid people, the trained people, and this, that, and other. Right. But reality is that we're all called as followers of Jesus to, to be serving and to help people know who Jesus is. And uh, But the single person has an advantage in that. Uh, their ability to do more,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: think their ability to even go deeper because they have less cumbersome.
1: Mm. They have less things holding them back. Yeah. so And that makes sense with what Paul talks about. He's like, I wish you guys were single like I was. Yeah. And I think what we also see in Jesus' life is that your relationship with God and God's community should be of the most importance. Because it, that's what was important to Jesus, right? And not that relationships romantically aren't important, but that um, one of the ways I heard someone talk about singleness was if it's good enough for Jesus, then you should certainly feel like it's good enough for you, yeah. you know, and not have that stigma attached to it that it's n- like you're a failure of some kind if you're sure. if you have singleness, and that's a calling.
0: Well, and I would even back it up steps. Like I would ask this: is like, well, why are you pursuing a relationship with someone? Mm. Are you pursuing it because you want it? Are you pursuing it because it makes you feel better or are you pursuing it because it's what God's called you to do this reality of, uh, you know, we often struggle with finding our worth and wholeness through others. And if I'm not in a relationship with someone, we tend to look at ourselves. We can tend to look at ourselves in a negative way Hmm. and we find our worth. we're, We're not as valuable. People don't want to be around me. People don't. People don't want to be in a relationship with me. What's wrong with me? And we and we just automatically go there. And we need to understand. And I think we need to do better. Better at teaching this to our children. And um, and we really try to emphasize this with students. Is the reality is is that we got to find our worth and value in who Christ has made us to be, not in what we do, not in who likes us. Mm. You know we're in this whole social media culture, ah, follow me da, da, look at the how many likes do I have? Ooh, you know mm-hmm. that is detrimental to this idea of I could be single
1: mm.
0: and i can I can be content mm. and right and fulfilled, fulfilled right and and this idea that I gotta have someone to mm-hmm. be someone.
1: I saw a post just the other day where someone had said, "I wish that I had a boyfriend." So I could have someone to take cute pictures with. I'm like, that's your whole basis for wanting a relationship—is so you can take yeah. pictures. Like when that picture gets ten likes, you're gonna be real <laughs> disappointed, you know, when, when that happens, because you're immediately setting yourself up for failure. Absolutely. And it's so crazy because that's what the world says relationships are—these cute pictures. You go on these dates, and then you have sex. Yeah, because and it's that's for personal it. pleasure. Yeah, and, and it's all about your gratification. That's right. It's not about the other person. There are means no, to an
0: end. There are means to an end, so they become an object mm-hmm. for you. And that is one of the biggest uh, obstacles that in student ministry that we consistently see and talk about. And You see it in young adults. Uh, it's this idea of mm-hmm. objectifying someone for your personal pleasure to lift you up to make you feel better. But that's not how relationships work.
1: Mm. Not yeah. healthy ones. Not healthy basically. ones. Yeah. Because then you get back to that idea that we were just talking about with you said, you know, Jesus says, love like I've loved. That's right. And you see a depth of selflessness that can only come from the power of the Holy Spirit, which then if you call yourself a Christian and hopefully, I mean, Lord willing, the Holy Spirit's empowering everything that you're doing and you're tapping into to him for everything but especially in relationships when someone else's heart is at stake, are you loving them like Jesus has loved you? And are you allowing him to guide your relationship? Because that's what a healthy biblical relationship looks like, is one that's completely centered on Christ and is fueled by his Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, I mean, Song of Solomon talks about this idea that every relationship should look like rafters in a big cathedral. In other words, they're open. There's mm-hmm. nothing to hide. You see mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So is it, the, your relationship, can it be seen by everyone? Mm. Everything you do, is it known? Mm. Or are you hiding things? Are you doing things that you know you're not happy with? Like, it's this whole idea of openness. Let's, let's honor God in each other. And we often talk about this as like, you know, 10 years from now or five years from now, depending on how old you are or whatever. Like, what story do you want to tell your future spouse? Mm. Mm. That's good. What story do you want to share? Like, when you meet,
1: what do you want to share with them?
0: Mm.
1: Or are you going to be afraid to share? Mm. Because I mean, i I mean, I've been married for almost two years now. And those were hard conversations to have to confront my past yeah. and confess my past and to see the hurt that it causes in the present. Even after the past had been reconciled, right. I'd been forgiven by Christ, living in the, the power of the spirit and walking in, in righteousness. The ramifications of my past sins still had ripple, to, ripple right. effects. Yeah.
0: And that's what we all forget. Mm. We don't think about our future. Mm. our preferred future to honor God, to have the right person and to share deep intimacy with them. We don't realize the things that we do today will affect that intimacy.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the best things I heard while I was at CIU as a freshman was you need to choose today to love your future wife or your future spouse, you know, your future um, family and choose them. And then that conversation was specifically in regards to pornography and how that's thats a whole other conversation of how mm. that's poisoned relationships. Um, especially in marriages, how it's poisoned relationship. Um, but in that conversation, you say, you've got to say no to those things in order to say yes to your family. Because it's going to destroy your marriage. It's going to destroy your family. You've got to say no to those things today so that in the future... You can be walking and rejoicing. Yeah, so
0: you got to create good habits, spiritual mm-hmm. habits for you, and 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 like so. When we talk about the the Corinthians passage where love is love is the so what we talk about this idea of is stop looking at someone who fulfills that list, become the person that fulfills that list, mm. right? If you can be that person, you'll attract the person that you're really looking for, mm. right? Because if you're living out and pursuing Jesus and you are doing all the things that God wants you to be doing more than likely along that journey, you're going to find someone that's doing the same thing. Yeah. And you like, look around, like you're, you're going on mission trips and you're doing this and you're going there and you know, maybe you're going over here and you're, but you're all about serving and loving and eventually you're going to come across somebody who has the same heart and
1: mm-hmm. you're going to look
0: around and be like, Hey, that person's like me. Mm.
1: How'd you get Robin following the Holy Spirit? How'd you get? I've been following the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And and then you'll be realized, like, oh, wait a minute. We're we're, we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit together. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we get into this other misconception that Jesus doesn't want you to enjoy the physical side of relationships. He does in the right timing. Oh, absolutely. Which is within the context of a heterosexual marriage. And again, if you haven't seen the podcast from last week where we talk about homosexuality this plays into that conversation now of that the design for romantic relationships is male and female and that's black and white in scripture and so then when you are in a relationship as you're going through the dating process doing it just as we've talked about and then when you're in the marriage context don't stop doing that continue doing that and then enjoy the fruit that he's allowed you to now have amen which you see in song of solomon oh yeah where it's beautiful it's wonderful it's glorified god wasn't like oh crap I made humans and now they can have sex with each other. This is awful. What a mistake I've made. He knew what he was doing, right? And and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so people have a misconception, just like I talked about earlier, where life within parameters like like God's trying to restrain you in jail. You when in reality he's giving you freedom in its fullest. But that freedom has parameters. And well, it's then
0: like, you know you saying well, we're sitting in front of a fireplace that's electric, so it's not really real, but mm-hmm. anybody who's had fire knows that fire is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, it can burn down your house it can, if you're in California, destroy homes and forests. It can kill, that's right, can take life totally. Yeah, but fire contained in the right place it can bring warmth, it can cook food, s'mores, it can bring light, s'mores, hot dogs, mm. community. It can do a lot of wonderful Great things, things within the context that it was designed of for of boundaries.
1: And then that's the thing, and so the misconception being. Well God doesn't want you to enjoy those things. No, he does. He absolutely does. In his timing. Yeah. In his perfect timing. And so I think those are those are two big misconceptions. Yeah. And, and I would
0: say too, the misconception too is that if God is keeping me from something and, and 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 it's and it's making it harder, like like this idea that He is keeping you, He wants you to abstain. He wants you to live with sexual integrity because mm. it will be better. Better Mm -hmm. when you get married, Mm -hmm. but if you have all this baggage, it won't make marriage better. It'll actually harder, Mm -hmm. and that's the reality. It's like it's like if you follow me over here, when you get married, it will be better. Mm -hmm. Promise you, Mm -hmm. I I guarantee you that. But if you live in your pleasures and your desires over here, and you follow the world's outline, that's right.
1: Marriage will not be better. mm -hmm. Can't. It's not exactly. It's incompatible. That's right. Right. Completely And that gets into our idea now when we've talked about misconceptions of what dating looks like. A lot of those misconceptions come out of something that uh, when we kind of talk about it in Christian circles would be purity culture. And so I was wondering, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say purity culture?
0: Well, I grew up um, in the 80s and 90s, and there was a big push at that time. When I Not for me, because mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't in church, <laughs> but when I look back at church history, um, true love weight stuff you know 2000s or late 90s too um, but I think it created a shame culture mm. so when someone failed or didn't live up to their you know pledge mm-hmm. created shame uh, and guilt and instead of empowering to restore to work through the reasons it was kept because they did not want to say oh yeah i failed mm. none of us want to say we fail mm-hmm. and so so i think it created this standard which i think that standard does exist right that exists mm-hmm. god wants us to be pure he wants us to be holy he wants us to to pursue him and honor and so forth but it's how we get there a healthy way a healthy way a biblical way right? a spiritual way. yeah and so and so the challenge i think that came that's come out of the the purity culture is the reality that that creating a standard that everyone says i'm going to do but then can't really live up to it mm-hmm. it's full of shame and guilt so It kind of sounds like the law um in the old testament right yeah and so there's a lot of shame and guilt um and i do understand uh i haven't really experienced it but i've read a little bit about it and you shared it with me that um there's a lot of onus a lot of responsibility put on on girls girls feeling that shame like targeting yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in our student ministry, from the very beginning, when we talk about sexual integrity, uh, we don't we don't target girls as much like that. We actually target guys. Mm. They're supposed to be the leaders in relationships. They're supposed to be the one who leads spiritually and leads the relationship to what's next. Leads the conversations of trying to figure out how to get to the next piece. And so we target guys with, hey, this is you. If, if this happens, it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you are supposed to be leading. And so we kind of really, maybe maybe wrongly, I'm not sure, but we, but we put the onus on the guys to be mm-hmm. more responsible. Um, and I'm not just to say more responsible. I mean, they're, all, they're both responsible. Yeah. But the reality of trying to
1: elevate guys to realize their
0: role, mm-hmm. this
1: is their role. And and where we've seen that a lot in our culture where it's gone to the other side is saying if a guy's feeling temptation or anything like that, it's, it's the girl's fault versus it's the guy's heart's problem, right? right? And you see uh, very recently when we had the issue with Ravi Zacharias come out with the way that he had been manipulating and hurting right. and abusing, um, I saw a great post where someone had said, you know, the Billy Graham rule is good, you know, keep yourself on guard, have guys with you who are going to keep you accountable, that's great. But you can't just have the Billy Graham rule where it's you got to avoid women. It's also, you've got to be analyzing your own heart and making sure that you're not someone who the enemy can tempt with predatory thoughts or assault thoughts and things like that. And if you do, you need to go and confess and you need to get your heart right because a lot of the purity culture idea was the women are the temptation. Guys, that's just how you're wired, deal with it. Just stay away from girls, and so to hear that—that's what the heart of the church has been in, in raising up Christian men—is the idea of you guys need to be checking your own hearts because God's holding you accountable in relationships. I mean, that's yeah. That's, yeah, so the, counter purity culture, yeah, that's so counter-purity culture. Yeah. So,
0: in Song of Solomon, um, you get you know you have Solomon and, and and the woman that, just in the first four chapters or are, are the lead up to the marriage night, and uh, and three times. Song of Solomon is saying, hey, don't awaken love until it is time. time. Yeah, wow. And it's him saying it because he has won her heart and she's ready to give in sexually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Song of Solomon says, you know, Solomon says, no. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get mm-hmm. our example when we talk a little bit about like, like the reality of like, no, it, mm-hmm. it it it's yours. Once you win her heart, mm-hmm. she's going to be
1: impressionable. mm mm-hmm you can't you you have to lead mm-hmm. and that i mean that's true with with anybody's heart that's right when yeah. you've been completely won over to someone i mean it's like i mean you you imagine um, was it xerxes and esther and he's just like what do you want half my kingdom you can have anything i mean he, she had won his heart right. and he was ready to do anything yeah. you know uh and and god was able to use that for his glory and save his people but it's just amazing that that's the nature of emotions in humanity that oh, god yeah. has given it's beautiful yeah it's just like the fire it's very dangerous yeah. for everyone
0: involved cuz we've been tainted by sin the mm-hmm. curse so everything that was good is tainted mm. has a has a evil side to it and so we're living in this world where everything that was beautiful and wonderful and perfect has been altered and we have mm. to be on on guard for that and the reality is that relationships are great but you have to understand the nature of relationships You have to understand your own nature, your own place where you struggle and you're tempted, and you have to work on those things, put safeguards in, be open and honest about those things. Like you said, being honest with God, working with God. Like, believe it or not, your relationship with God and the depth of that is your key to
1: being able to be in a relationship and be in a healthy relationship. Absolutely. If you ever want to be satisfied in a dating relationship you need to be satisfied first in your relationship with God. Yeah,
0: because everyone that you date, everyone that you will marry will let you down. Mm. They cannot fulfill your desires. Mm. Can't. It's impossible. Only God can Only that. God can fulfill and God can bring in some uh someone else to help be your helper or someone to come in and and um
1: illustrate the gospel to yeah the world illustrate the gospel the but, marriage, but this yeah.
0: idea of being connected on a deep level with someone with deep meaning and purpose mm-hmm. I and mean, that's you know like 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 this idea that your marriage can also be an image of your relationship with god this mm. deep intimacy right so it's a this physical part of that right this physical image of this deep connection of giving and receiving love to one another not for the sole purpose of getting something out of it, but because you want to make something of the, the, the marriage, mm. not just of yourself. Mm. So when you do that, it's amazing what marriages can do and become and what you can overcome. Because life is full of a lot of difficult things. Yeah, There's loss. There's betrayal. There's accidents. Someone gets sick. Someone gets a car accident, and now they're in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. how do you overcome that Mm -hmm. all your hopes and dreams are gone
1: Mm -hmm.
0: unless someone starts dealing with depression yeah you know anxiety and depression are on the way up Mm -hmm. so what happens if everything's you know about every seven years it seems like people change Mm -hmm. and so the person you marry now isn't going to be this person in 10 years from now they're gonna be different
1: growing and changing just like you're not the same person you were seven years ago. that's the same thing for the future so how do you love someone that's changing
0: Mm. how
1: do you love someone that
0: maybe you know you have a child and they're not completely healthy or normal Mm. how does that affect your relationship with God your your marriage Mm. your expectations your expectations will determine a lot about how you approach and feel about your life and your other your your kids, mm-hmm. no one's going to fulfill your expectations
1: completely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so good because you talk about that. I have things that change, and if you're putting your hope in something that's changing, you're going to be left upset, angry, yeah. confused. You're going to lash out. But when your whole definition and understanding of love and acceptance comes first from the one who is unchanging, then you're going to be able to keep pouring that out as you get poured into through that source. And you keep that first thing first, which is our pursuit of Christ. Yeah,
0: because marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. Mm-hmm. It's about becoming more like Jesus. And Jesus gave up himself in a way that none of us could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a passage about dying to self Yeah, and decreasing so that he can increase. Yeah, well, I mean, in the reality that in Ephesians as a married man as a husband you're supposed to lead your family as Christ led the church and died for the church. What? I mean he,
1: gave himself up.
0: There is a there's there's a high calling for a husband and I, and I don't think people realize the reality of this. Hmm. That the husband, you know when it comes to your marriage, you're supposed to be giving up almost all of your desires
1: hmm. for the good of your family and not lording over Not them. lording over. Cuz Jesus could have lorded over us. That's right, but he didn't. He humbly served us yeah. and loved us and accepted us where we were at. Yeah, and so, so part of this, you know, and that's why we
0: target the guys a bit. It's like, hey, you know what?
1: You got to lead. You got to learn to be humble. Mm. It's
0: not about you. It's about we. Mm. But it's not just about we.
1: It's about him. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus. So. Absolutely, this has been an amazing conversation. We've just been going on these awesome topics. I think this is going to be an amazing conversation for our viewers to. to to listen into and get to learn and grow. I mean, I'm being edified by this conversation, and so I know they will be as well. But uh, as we kind of wrap it up, if you could say one thing to every Christian in a dating relationship right now, what would you tell them? There's so much to say.
0: Um, <laughs> it's hard to really nail it down to one thing, but here's, here's the reality. Uh, your self-worth and your identity is not wrapped up in the person that you're dating. Mm-hmm. It needs to be in who Jesus is. Making you to be. And you need to pursue Jesus and you need to become the person that Jesus wants you to become. Everything else will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Jesus said he'll build the church. And so, what he wants us to do is fall in line with him to build the church. And as you build the church, as you become who you're supposed to be, you're going to find the people you're supposed to be around. You're going to find the person that God wants you to be with. Mm -hmm. You're compatible with a lot of people, right? I mean, we can pick anyone to marry. I mean, you really can. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, you have guy parts and girl parts that are pretty compatible, right? So, <laughs> so the reality here is, is it's 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 about following Jesus and pursuing Him, and in that pursuit, God will reveal people in your life that you need to be in relationship with. Mm. It's not about pursuing relationships and then squeezing Jesus into it. It's about pursuing Christ with all that you are and allowing him to bring the people into your life that he wants you to be around. And from that, you will discover so much about who he is and who you are and the baggage that you the the baggage that you will not bring into the relationship will make your relationship exponentially better. Hmm. You're protecting your marriage and your future relationships
1: by pursuing Jesus and following him. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is awesome. This is great. I'm really looking forward to when this hits the internet. So, All Thank right. you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share with a friend. We are here to bless and edify you as best as we can. So if you would like to hear about a topic coming up, go ahead and shoot it in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Have a good one.